the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients, to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. If you have ever been a donor, you could be the one who saved, prolonged or improved the quality of life for the person that we profile here each week on the podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. If you are new to the pod and want to hear our origin story, please scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to the first episode, which tells the story of our daughter Marley and her story of seronegative autoimmune encephalitis and the way that Australian plasma donors have saved her life. To find updates on Marley and her amazing seizure response service dog Patty and our beautiful little family with additional needs and all the news from the Milkshakes for Marley community, please join us on all the socials. We also love it when you tag or share photos of you doing blood donations, um, even if you don't donate to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team, as it all helps to spread the message of the importance of blood donation. Today, we welcome friend of the podcast, the whole Milkshakes for Marley movement, my relentless quest of blood donation advocacy, and most of all, friend of our family, Emma Madsen. Emma is the founder of the Carers Club, a community where carers can be seen, heard and understood. In Emma's words, it doesn't matter if your loved one is your child, your parent or a client, neither does a diagnosis or if your loved one has passed away. We are here for you. Emma founded the Carers Club after being a young carer to her mum, Gillian, who was diagnosed with stage four GBM brain cancer, which took her life. She didn't want other carers to feel as unsupported and as unacknowledged as she did during that time, and she has now dedicated her life to providing support for both current and bereaved carers. While we knew each other back in our Canberra days, Emma has become the greatest source of support to me and our family since we moved to Queensland. She's been a staunch supporter and loyal follower of this podcast and of my blood donation advocacy, And despite, and not through lack of her trying, not being able to donate blood right now, today Emma offers her story and her platforms to support the Milkshakes for Mali community. Emma Madsen, founder of the Carers Club, welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. Thank you for having me, Kate. <laughs> Very excited to be here. Now, let's just get this out of the way right from the start. You you have veins that just don't play nicely. And despite many, mm-hmm. many attempts to uh, donate for the Milkshake Somali Lifeblood team, um, you just haven't been able to donate blood. But can you tell me what has motivated you to try? Yes, I have actually cried in the Coolum Beach <laughs> Bowls Club car park where the van comes multiple times because I've tried to um, drink all the water and do all the prep, but they can't find my veins. They say, your veins are too deep, not big. I can't get a big enough one out. Try again in five years. Mm -hmm. 
But why I think it's so important and why I want to do it is, well, obviously, for all the reasons you guys always talk about, it keeps people alive, Mm. it keeps people going, it keeps them being able to live their best life. And I think it's just the most amazing thing you can do for somebody, like a bit of an hour or two out of your day actually just saves someone's life. Mm. Um, So I'm very um, passionate about the cause, even though I can't physically be part of the cause. Well, I mean, you absolutely are. And this is what we say to some people is that obviously there are people that can't donate blood for a variety of reasons. But we, what we've loved about having you as part of the Milkshakes for Mali community is that you offer your platforms to share the importance of blood donation. And you've been such an amazing supporter of the Milkshakes for Mali movement and the podcast. So it is a joy to have you here with us today. Thank you for being here. Um, you are the founder of the Carers Club. Can you tell me a bit about what the Carers Club is and where the idea came from yeah for sure so the carers club is something I started late last year more seriously I guess um it is a community for carers and bereaved carers it doesn't matter what kind of level of high needs or low needs your loved one has that you're caring for um and so we support people in a few different ways we have a free Facebook community where everyone chats in there we have monthly circles where we get together for some support and we often get guest speakers in. And then we also have what I um, do care doula work. So this is kind of like a concept I came up with when I had my last child. I had a student doula and I was like, oh, carers need someone like this, someone who's removed from, I guess, the loved one's um, needs and focusing on them. So things from being someone just to vent to, to do some meditation with maybe, to do some journaling, to like um, practical support, whether it's you want someone to attend appointments with you or for me to come over and do some light housework or tidying up. So if you think of like a doula when you give a baby, just think of that, but like move it into a carer's Mm. um, situation. So, yeah, probably the three main offerings at the moment. So I have come to lots of your circles, so both online and also in person. Um, Talk me through what the circles are like and what it's like when you walk through that door into a circle and what you'll experience if you go to one. Yeah, well, what I love about the circles is that the energy is kind of different every time, which is really cool. But basically my idea was I didn't want to, I wanted to remove the experience from like the cold, stale hospital kind of vibe. So we do a bit of woo-woo stuff. Mm -hmm. We all sit around the circle, we light candles and we pull cards, but really it's about connection and community, Um, giving a space for carers to be in a judgment-free zone with people that understand, help them feel seen and understood. Mm -hmm. Um, So we share and then we'll often have a guest in who might do some self-care stuff. So we might have like a Reiki person in or it might be like an information provider Mm -hmm. of a service that people can access. And then we just end up having laughs. We end up having tears. We end up having all the vibes. Mm -hmm. And it's just beautiful and it's amazing. And I hope people just leave feeling like they're not alone that's the main thing and just that they know they've got a space they can call their own and be the true selves mm-hmm. in that space. So what has amazed me, I adore coming to the in-person circles, but I'm lucky enough to live on the Sunshine Coast with you. So I am able to attend the in-person ones. But 
what really surprised me when you started offering the online circles, so they're nationwide, anyone can come from anywhere in Australia um, and log on through the video circles, is the beautiful intimacy that you still manage to capture through those circles. And it's a special kind of magic that you have got. I don't know how you do it because I thought some of that really would be lost in an online circle, but it isn't. And I think sometimes people feel a little bit braver coming to the online circles because, you know, they can do it in the comfort of their own home, you know, particularly during global health pandemic, you know, if they're caring for an immunocompromised loved one, sometimes coming to an online circle feels like a safer thing for them to be able to do without being concerned about infection risk of being out in the community um, and those kinds of things. So, yeah, you just are offering such a beautiful service to people and I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your support. I think, I think there wouldn't be the Carers Club without the, Kate either. Yeah, I really um, <laughs> appreciate all the support and like we all need each other when we're kind of women trying to venture do purposeful yeah. work. It's I just really um, feel so privileged and humble and grateful that, to have you in my life. So thanks, mm, Kate. Thank you. And Me I know too. everyone else feels the same in the community. <laughs> but yeah, I love the online ones too because I was a bit worried about that at first, but they tend to be even just even more intimate. But the best thing mm. is, like you said, it's hard for people to get out of the home often when they've got caring or the kids are in bed or they're single moms or whatever the reason is. Um, they come in their jammies, mm. often with a with some wine in their hand or a cup of tea, and yeah, and then they can also go to sleep straight away, which is yeah. nice. Like it's, it's a nice way to like calm the nervous system before they go to bed. Yeah, um, I love a beautiful meditation in one of those that you get to do the self care through the meditation and the different rituals that you guys have, and so many people do it in bed. Like people are literally yeah. going on in their pajamas in bed, and yeah, it's the best. And also then. You know, if someone comes in or like a kid screaming, like we don't care, just no. present to them or bring them in. Like it's very um, cool to show yeah. up how you are. You know, yeah, whatever you great. need to do. And I think one of the things I've had, you know, I've invited people to come to the circles, and some of the responses I've had from people at times are, you know, I just don't feel ready to share my story. And I think people might feel a bit intimidated by that, but it's really important for people to know if they're considering after listening to this episode, you know, getting on your website and having a look and attending one of the circles um, is that you don't have to share anything about yourself. No, you, don't. you know, Some of the people that have got the most out of it have just been you know, mums that are struggling with mental load and feeling really overwhelmed by care responsibilities, like friends that I've brought along or whatever. And they just get that, you know, hour or two of self-care and feeling seen and heard and understood. And yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. There's never any that. pressure to share. Um, we just ask an icebreaker kind of thing, like, mm. you know, what's the pit and peak of your week? But you can determine what that is. Yeah. You could say, like, my peak was this amazing coffee I had this morning, or the pit was that the milk was shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I saw. Well, <laughs> it's my podcast. Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, or you could go really deep into it and be like, it's the anniversary of the death of a loved one, or it's like, mm. oh, we just got this diagnosis. Like, it's totally what you want to do and what you yeah. feel comfortable with, and mm. we'll never force you and I'm not a fan of like um re-traumatizing people for the sake of um just for the sake of it you know mm -hmm. so you're very in power of what you want to share and yeah that's another thing like some people go oh well I don't identify as a carer but um 
I guess we could talk about that a bit more because I know we've chatted mm. about that Yeah, before. well, that's perfect then. So what is a carer? Like what? Yeah. What is a carer? So I think this is something I struggled with. So my story is that uh, over eight years ago now, my mum was quite young, like 50 years old, and she got diagnosed with stage four GBM brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And she lived 15 months before um, it killed her. So within that time, I was looking after her, but I didn't see myself as a carer because she lived down the road. So I wasn't like there all the time. Or mm-hmm. I just saw myself as like a daughter looking after her mom as anyone would. And then when I started writing out all the paperwork and like the hospital and the Medicare forms and everything, I'm like, and it would say like care. I'm like, oh, I'm her carer. Like I had like this dawning realization. Yeah. And so I think people feel like they have this image in their mind that a carer looks a certain way where really all it is is just someone helping someone else do something. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go broad, like all parents are carers, mm-hmm. um, you could go as broad as you like. Um, mm-hmm. But I just felt, yeah, there was this real people hold themselves back of getting support because they feel like they haven't got it in quotes like tough enough or their loved one is as high needs as another person's or something like that and I just think that's a real shame because even though the circumstances might be different you'll often have similar struggles about you know identity time management fear grief like it's all mixed in Mm -hmm. so for me a care is that um so I don't think you have to be on like a government carer's payment to define yourself as a carer. No, not at all. And if, you know, there's plenty of people that regularly come to the circles and I have no idea what their story is. Like yeah. they're just people that get a lot out of it. And I feel really reassured um, by the agreement that you make when you begin your circles, that what's said in st- circles stays in circle. And also the fact that, you know, other you know, I guess, support group settings that I have been in before, people are constantly offering advice and sometimes Mm. that's not what you go there, you know, for and you do such a beautiful job of just, you know, having people feel seen and heard and supported and just holding that space for people so they can, you know, people can ask for advice, absolutely. Like sometimes Mm. you're there with someone caring for someone with something similar to the situation that you're in but I've found your circles really helpful because sometimes you just need somewhere just to get the emotion out in a really comfortable safe setting with other people that understand you so yeah yeah definitely so we I am bound by duty of care so I explain that to people so if I think there's going to be harm you're going to harm yourself or anything like that I'm definitely going to report it but otherwise it all stays in circle never um, talk about it outside of it and that's a part about being a safe space Um, but yeah that was definitely something about the advice that I really wanted when I was caring for my mum because you know incurable brain cancer palliative care and of course everyone at the time had like the latest like green juice or turmeric child or something <laughs> turmeric always comes up when people turmeric anti-inflammatory you know, turmeric. That, that's gonna save her <laughs> and I'm like you don't think I haven't thought about this stuff already and I would just would have loved a space where I could have just been present without someone trying to fix it because mm. I was trying desperately every day to fix it even though it was unfixable you know mm. so I had to come to terms with that yeah the last thing I wanted to do is go somewhere and then someone give me more advice mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but um like I would have been open to advice on how to deal with it like emotionally mm-hmm. on that but not necessarily like for a cure or something you know yeah. so yeah no that's something very important that I make sure mm-hmm. we make clear in the circles is that 
don't give advice unless someone asks for advice. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of trying to fix it too, I think that's one of the things that I've initially had a big challenge with in identifying myself as a carer because to celebrate myself as a carer in some way, it appears that you're celebrating the illness, injury, disability, whatever mm. it is, the person that you're caring for. And as you just said, there's lots of things that can't be fixed. You know, we don't, there's lots of things. There's just nothing that you can do anything about. And just because someone has additional needs doesn't mean that you can't celebrate that as well. You know, I've got three kids on the autism spectrum. I wouldn't change that. Like I wouldn't change their neurodiversity one little bit. You know, they can't navigate the world in the same way that other people can. Sometimes we have to make different adjustments so that they can live their best lives. Um, But I adore caring, like offering that extra care for them and I wouldn't change it, you know, compared to, I guess, Molly's epilepsy or her autoimmune encephalitis or the kid's diabetes, that I would absolutely change for them if I could. <laughs> um, but in celebrating yourself as a carer and embracing that identity as a carer, that doesn't mean that you have to celebrate, you know, the injury, illness or disability that your loved one has. And I think sometimes yeah. people tussle a little bit with that. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also something that I've personally had to struggle with, like not being held back in my grief either doing this work because yes. it's like as I move through things, like grief is forever, but it changes in different mm. times and stages and reminding myself that I can still support people and still support carers, but I don't have to really go back to that real mm-hmm. negative, not negative, that's not the right term, um, mm-hmm. dark space, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I totally get what you mean about like, I don't think any carers would ever go, I'm not doing this. Mm. I'm not, you know, if they don't know any other way, it's just mm. like love in action, right? They're yeah. just doing what they were always would do for who they love. But mm-hmm. in saying that, it doesn't mean that they can't get some extra support along the way. Like it's and not I, black and white, you know, no of way. course you never change your children mm. and of course you celebrate them. But it's okay to say this can be a lot some days. Yeah, absolutely. And I need some time out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When you were saying that, you know, you wouldn't change things and you wouldn't fix things, I think one of the things that I've loved about the circles is even though, you know, you wouldn't opt out of being a carer, there is different aspects of your life that you can't do everything. When you're a carer, you just have to accept the fact that maybe you might not be able to work full-time anymore. You might not be able to work full-time and have a clean house and do all of the things. So, you know, while there's beautiful you know psychics and reiki and all sorts of different offerings that you've had through your circles there's also been things like you know home organization tips to help declutter your house and to help manage having a more manageable home to make caring for your loved one easier and um the one that I loved was the one about comfy clothes for carers where we had what's her name her name has escaped me Kimberly and she's got a course and it's amazing I did Kimberly from the star side she's just amazing oh, she's yeah, part yeah. of our community and um she's a bereaved carer she lost her dad and mm. yeah just things like that it's just so mm. good she taught us on how to like dress comfortably but feel good absolutely it really impacts on your mental health when you go day in day out just wearing like tights and a jumper yeah and then yeah. sometimes you miss like I know we've talked about this privately when we used to work in offices in the corporate mm-hmm. world and stuff we'll be like we just miss dressing up yeah, absolutely yeah 
but then like how they combine that into love on your identity so I've got so much out of those different aspects and even just feeling so seen in the fact that that is one of the struggles of being a carer is that it does impact on your identity so much and massively yeah no I've found that really helpful so we've talked about what a carer is now until you started the carers club and I started you know reading what you write and following you on socials and all of those types of things I had never heard the term bereaved carer used before can you tell me about who would be a bereaved carer yeah so I just coined it because I didn't know how else to explain someone like me (laughs) someone who was a carer and then their loved one has died and that experience changes you forever no matter what you where you go from there like you always look at life a different way from that Mm -hmm. point on and I felt like I wanted support for people who now what because your loved ones pass um not longer with you on earth but you're you've been like you could been for years or decades even that you've been in this carer role and now they're gone what now what do you do now with your life like it's just such a massive thing from like your practical day-to-day living to like your emotional state to your goals and like it's just huge so Mm -hmm. I wanted to create a space there where people um could still get that support because what often happens someone passes a few weeks later the support dries up everyone goes back to their lives but you need to now rebuild a new life or a life that looks different Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to make sure we had space for those people Mm -hmm. to still feel like um they're seen and understood and that we haven't forgotten about them and to support them in whatever they decide to do next and Mm -hmm. heal and yeah So, yeah, I call it bereaved carer because I don't know what else to call it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's something, you know, I have seen through different people come through the circles and through the Facebook page and that kind of thing. People love having a term to still being able to really lean into that love that they have for their loved one and to have a space where they can, you know, talk about the life that they had, process the fact that they were a carer and that intense time of caring while their loved one was at their sickest sometimes before they've passed away, but also to have a really useful space to be able to discuss, you know, rituals and anniversaries and the way that we mark different things and just do that in a really safe, supported, non-judgmental way. And yeah, it's something that I've got a lot out of. So thank you for offering that. Oh, I'm glad. And it's nice to hear that you've um, got something out of it and I Mm -hmm. hope, yeah, we just continue to do that to support people. on the other side yeah so if someone's listening to this episode and they can think of someone um, in their lives who they consider to be a carer that would benefit from the services of the carers club how can they connect their loved ones with you so there's a few ways they can just send them our way that you can send them to the Facebook group. There's um, a link to that, or you can actually buy vouchers. So if you're, if you think your friend or family member, or whoever would be up for it, you can book in. I do one-on-one support online mm-hmm. and in person, if you're on the Sunshine Coast and you can also buy tickets um, as vouchers um, to the circles. Mm-hmm. So yeah they can join the group you can just tell them about us and see what they think or you can actually purchase it as a gift and say here you go go and do it yeah yeah um yeah there's a few ways we're on the instagram but the facebook community is probably where the biggest interaction happens yeah and 
there's also my website if they want to read more about what we do and everything. Yeah. yeah. And of course I'll pop a link to all of those in our show notes. Um, but those gift vouchers would be such a beautiful way to honor someone around an anniversary, like a first anniversary of the passing mm. of their loved one, or, you know, when one of those times where you just send flowers because you literally don't know what else to do, it would be a really beautiful way to recognize that person's loved one or that person's grief or, you know, when they're just in the trenches of caring for someone, even if they don't want to use the gift voucher right at that moment, because they don't feel like they have the capacity to do it. Um, I just, yeah, I would find that such a thoughtful gift. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no time um, stamp on my vouchers either. So if Mm -hmm. they want to use it in a year or something, that's fine. And um, you can even get, I know sometimes like girlfriends will get together and they might do like a group gift. So then they buy like a package. So they might buy like three sessions with me or something like that. So um, it is really nice. And it would have been something I would have loved to receive as well, actually. And I was mm. a carer or, yeah. um, right after mum died. I would have loved that. Mm. I would have really loved to having a like carer or sort of person in my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, one of the other services that you offer is um, you were explaining before that you can do some support work and you do work for us and offer some of those services <laughs> that you have said before. So, um, I'm going to out Emma here. She is one of the support workers that I talk about for our beautiful girl, Marley. Um, Can you tell me about the ways that you have experienced her journey, I guess, before being her support worker when we were just mates, sort of your first understanding of how sick she was? Oh, you're going to make me cry, Kate. The tears are tingling. <laughs> Let me take my glasses off to wipe them. I've already off. taken mine off. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. Um, so I met Marley when she was really little before she even got sick. Mm-hmm. I remember her in her little nappies and everything when she was a little toddler. And then because our older boys were, um, had soccer together. So we're both Canberra girls originally and then we're both up at the coast now. Yeah. So I knew that she was sick and by that stage we weren't living near each other um, and uh, when you nearly lost to that time I was just like well, a couple of times I was just devastated um, sending lots of prayers had a lot of people praying for you put a lot of prayer requests in for people I know that pray mm-hmm. um, and then I was really excited when you guys said we're moving to the Sunshine Coast because they have a peak here so I was like yeah <laughs> I think I was even going to go look at your house for you. but You, you were. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's just come so far lately. When she, you guys first moved up, she was still using the wheelchair a lot and her pram and things like that. And now she's just, just kicking goals. Like, yeah, she really is. Oh, I'm just so proud of her and just and you guys as a unit and you guys are just legends and I just love her so much. <laughs> And she loves you so much and it's been so good for her to have um, such a positive interaction with you as her support worker and having someone that she trusts outside of our family. So Molly, um, as you well know, has um, PTSD from her complex medical trauma and, you know, spending time in hospital, but then so many of the rehabilitation activities that we have with her, you know, her speech or OT or whatever, even though they're not in a hospital setting, it still feels like it's in sort of that clinical medical setting a little bit. But with you, she just gets to access the community in a different way and go on adventures and feel safe and supported having someone else pick her up from school. And it has just given her that level of independence that 
we couldn't give her. We need someone else to give that to her that we really trust, but we needed it to be outside of that clinical setting. Mm. Um, I've so, seen yeah. her like from the beginning, like she was a bit shy and then now she just runs up, hugs me, yeah. doesn't look back. Like, And we've seen that really spill over into her relationships with other people too because she had so much distrust in people for such a long time yeah, because she spent the best part, well, the, yeah, I mean the best part of her things that her memory, the things that she remembers has been in hospital settings for such a long time. She was either at home with us or she was in hospital. Given that she was so immunocompromised, she couldn't access the community in any way. Um, And now, you know, she's a little preppy. She started school. But but to be able to build those really strong relationships outside our family unit where she can access the community and she knows that people are good and she sees the world as a good and beautiful place is so important. And you have been able to really help us build that in her. It's like my highlight of my week, hanging out with Marley. (laughs) You probably don't want to say the name of the school, but I think her school has been amazing. Like when I walk in there and pick her up, they they just all love her. They know her. They're chatting to her like yeah she walks yeah. around like she owns the joint because she, she does. really does <laughs> <laughs> it's just so beautiful to see how and this is a testament to you and um jeff and your advocacy for her is like you've never put limits on her like right. you've always had to put like some physical limits depending on how her health is but mm. you've always you've instilled in her such a like a can't do anything attitude mm. and it just comes out of her and Mm. I, I love also because my youngest is around her age and they play well together as well and stuff. I think that's really helped normalise things for her. So I think she sees me just as Rosie's mum probably, yeah, which yeah. is really nice and not another, like, quote, support worker. She's no, no, just no. I don't think she's her got mate. I think yeah. honestly, think that she just thinks that you just come and hang out with her because you love spending time with her. Which is pretty much the case. <laughs> <laughs> But it's been so helpful apart from having a big love in on beautiful Marley. But um, in terms of the support you've been able to offer our family. So, you know, there has been times where I recently have spent a bit of time on and off in hospital and I haven't been able to care for my family in the way that I normally would. So it's been amazing to have you come in and be able to, you know, organise my house a bit and organise the kids and make sure that there was, you know, food in the fridge and people were fed and Jeff could keep working because you were able to come in and offer our family that bit of support to keep, you know, the wheels turning so everyone kept going. So, yeah. And that's the thing, burnout is such a real thing and it's so important to make sure we've got that support but then also to prioritise our own health Um, and knowing that I had you here to support my family and, you know, primarily Marley meant that I could prioritise my own health as well. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. And shout out to Jeff because I know it wouldn't be easy being the so-called breadwinner in a family and I often feel it's often the men, but not always, the, mm-hmm. but whoever's the primary breadwinner, I often feel sorry for them because sometimes you just want to be with your loved one if they're in hospital or whatever, but you've got to keep the lights on and the bills paid Yeah, and someone has to take one for the team. So shout out. Really. <laughs> yeah. He's a good man, that one. I do love good him. Good egg. Yeah. <laughs> we make it work. <laughs> Um, so being, bringing it back to the uh, blood donation aspect of the podcast, um, 
is it really, you've sort of seen Marley from being really, really sick to incredibly well now and like lots of yo-yo bits and pieces in between. Is it hard for you to wrap your brain around the fact that she could relapse at any moment? And our teams do talk about when she relapses, not if she relapses. And the fact that the only thing that will keep her with all of us is Australian plasma donors. Yeah, it's very like, if you think about too much, you'll burst into tears. Always. So um, I'm super hyper aware and I'm always like watching her, like I've seen her have a little absence seizures and stuff hmm. and you just always go, oh, and if you message me saying, oh, she's feeling unwell, she's got a temp, I just feel myself go like on alert and shout out to Patty. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I just feel like, <laughs> I can't imagine what you feel like because I'm like I'm so relieved that Patty's in your life. So relieved. Um, <laughs> so Patty, if this is the first time oh, you to our podcast, um, Patty is Marley's seizure response service dog um, and he can alert us to seizures sort of two to four hours before we have hit a seizure cluster. Um, the fact that he can do that also helps Marley to be able to access the community a lot more. So we will know before he goes on an out, well, before Marley goes on an outing with Emma, if Patty is chilled out and he's happy, then we know that Marley's got a good few hours where she can go out into the community and she can be fine. Um, having said that, before Emma started working with her, um, we did seizure training. I went and did a refresher and she did it for the first time through Epilepsy Queensland. So Emma can um, administer midazolam should Marley require um, that for yeah. any of her seizures. Yeah, um, but, but, yeah, just the fact. The blood thing, yeah. like, it's just like you just think, oh, thank God, like, that these people are donating mm. and because. It's yeah, it's life and death. It comes, it really does come down to that. So. It really does, yeah, yeah. Very, very grateful. Just yeah, yeah, all the medical and scientific stuff in the whole world, which is just amazing. You know, hasn't been able to you know cure her, or you know, we don't know what the future holds for her. Um, but it's that incredible kindness of Australian plasma donors that means that she is able to do things. You know, she's she's still alive. She's still part of our family. She gets to go on beautiful adventures with you on Thursday mornings and just live her best life. And I don't think there's ever enough words to say thank you to those people. No, there isn't. So we talked very briefly about your mum before and she yeah. was a big part of the inspiration for starting the Carers Club. Um, we're not going to talk about when she was sick. Um, okay. We don't have to do that today. But <laughs> Can you tell me some of your favourite memories about her before she got sick, before things? Jeez, oh, more tears. All right. Um, well, my mum was just really like a super present mum because she worked with children. She was a preschool assistant and she was just all she ever wanted to do was be a mum. So she was super present. So some of my early memories were just like, painting with her making like gingerbread men like all those little things just hanging out with her big on you know adventures um we weren't that well off when I was little and but she never made us feel like that you know and then as older she was just really funny to be honest <laughs> very stubborn but super like really Think of your typical country girl from the Riverina, <laughs> you know, to have a good time, who says it how it is, pay you out. But then also, which a lot of girlfriends have said over the years, is um, when we're in like later high school, college, or year 11, 12 and that, 
a lot of my friends would come to her for advice and if they're having trouble at home or couldn't stay at home, she'd be the one sitting there writing out the um, applications for Centrelink for youth allowance assistance and our door was always open. Mm-hmm. She always made everyone feel welcome. I mean, she didn't suffer fools. Like if she didn't mm-hmm. like one of your mates, she'd tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like, eh, not a fan of that one. But if she was yep. a fan of you, like your family for life and she'd always bend over backwards to help people. Um, yeah, she's just a bit of a legend really. Yeah, she just sounds like. Very practical, hands-on big. kind of love language you know how love her very she was one of those like practical love language people you know yeah, yeah. good country girl yeah. we good are good country girl country. that's how you like summer up a good country girl from Lockhart <laughs> so you have three beautiful children yes what do you think if you had to pick one attribute from each of your children that she would love the most about them? And I have no doubt that she's looking down on you guys all the time and she knows your children and she knows your parenting journey. Which thing about each of your children do you think she'd love the most? Oh, my gosh. That's a good question. Okay. With my eldest, I think she would love his, Leah. I think she would love his... um brain with Ari my middle boy she would love his coolness and calmness and just his like how do you explain Ari that kid he's just like from another planet super chill yeah I know exactly what you mean though just his general vibe and just like he he is a vibe um my (laughs) brother-in-law Ari will either become a rock star or a cult leader (laughs) It's just he's just like an on another level playing really <laughs> yeah and with Rosie I think um she would love her sassiness and like people would call it bossiness but we want to call that assertiveness <laughs> yeah she's definitely assertive I don't think she's ever unreasonably assertive though no she's probably a bit like mum that way tells her how it is yeah, she just knows together. what she wants and she doesn't yeah. suffer fools no. absolutely what you said before she has got the biggest bullshit detector on her that kid she's like don't lie to me that's not the way things are we're just yeah. gonna do things yeah I love yeah. it well we'll never do anything she doesn't want to do which yeah. I love she's um yeah she's just a bit of a badass yeah absolutely yeah. I adore her. She's always had my heart that And kid. I feel like I didn't say enough about my first one. I feel like she should love his kindness as well. He's such yeah. a kind kid. Yeah. yeah, he is. You've got such a beautiful little family, but they're so individual. Like all of your kids. Yeah, they're like very different. different like three. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, very cool. grateful to be their mum. And um, I definitely think they were sent from above and mm. They definitely have their own personalities. It's interesting dynamic here often in the mornings before school. (laughs) That's just how it plays out. And look, some of these attributes aren't always convenient for us, but they will serve our children well in life. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Um, So on that note, I'm so sad that I didn't get to meet your mum, but I feel like I have such a beautiful sense of who she was and the legacy and the love that she has left within your family Um, I feel like she's still so present in everything that you do and she would be so incredibly proud of the woman that you are and the mum that you are and the family that you're raising. And um, it's just such a beautiful final nod to her to have that legacy through the Carers Club. And I'm sure that she's so present with you and all that you do. So, Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just, 
I guess it's my way of living without her here. You know what I mean? Like yes. I know it's not everyone is blessed enough to lucky enough to have a relationship with a parent like that. But I was one of those rare ones that when my parent was my best friend mm. and I really struggled after losing her to like work out how I can keep going. Like, mm. no, I think I struggled with just my career a lot and just like what I really needed a purposeful work mm-hmm. after that life experience. Mm um so yeah thank you that's so nice (laughs) and that's such a beautiful description as well I asked you before what a bereaved carer is and everything you just said encapsulates you as a bereaved carer and how much being a carer and losing someone that you love can impact so many other aspects of your life and you can bring all of that to the carers club and to one of the carers circles and have such a beautiful space that understands that and the, all your resources that you offer that go along mm. with it. I think you guys would be two peas in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's a beautiful place to round out the episode. Oh, Thank you so for much for being on the show. Thank you for being such an amazing supporter of the Milkshakes for Mali community and movement and lifeblood team and our family and me and all of the things i love you and yeah i'm pretty excited to see what's coming next for the carers club and what's coming for you in the future thank you ditto love your work love you love your guts Emma has a beautiful big dream of opening a space to support carers and if I won Lotto tomorrow I'd give her the money to do it because there is no one who would be better at it. I really encourage you to get along to one of her in-person carer circles if you're here on the Sunshine Coast or online if you are anywhere else in the world. They are truly magical and I have benefited from them so much. I'll pop a link to all the information on the Carers Club in our show notes. Nothing feels more Australian, like the modern demonstration of mateship, than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher, with audio production by my husband, Jeff. Our guest today was founder of Carers Club, Emma Madsen. To make an appointment to donate, please call Lifeblood on 13 14 95. Our Lifeblood team is called Milkshakes for Mali and we have donors from all over Australia. So please join us and add your donation to our team tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you liked it, please share it with a friend. And as always, I'll leave the final word to Mali. Thank you for my prize, Mark.